This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm David and joining me tonight is Andrew. What's going on everybody? And Marisha. How's it going? Uh, Marisha might sound a little bit different because she's joining us over Skype when usually her and Andrew are in the room together. And I'm just the odd one out over Skype. But um, we're making it work. We're doing what we can. That's how dedicated we are to you all. You're welcome. Uh, So not much going on this week. But I was listening to some of our podcasts earlier today, actually, just for entertainment called the slow Newsweek podcast where we always say like oh there's not really a lot of news and then we end up going for an hour right so that might happen again this time we've only got two things you really want to talk about uh but i have a feeling it's gonna be a fun conversation even with those just those two topics yeah no, so, so yeah so um this weekend it's it's finally we're getting to see eternals so this is the last week before Eternals comes out. So we're gonna we want to just give one final um, discussion about what we're expecting from the movie, our speculation about the trailers, about the hype around it, the comic books, and and what might be brought in for that. How we think it's going to impact the Marvel universe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so we've talked about it a couple times and. Tell me if I'm misremembering, but I think the sort of story arc that we've had going here is that at first, none of us could care less. Yep. And now we're actually kind of excited for it. Like, we've slowly built up. Every single time something came out, we were kind of like, eh, it's actually kind of looking okay. And and now it's, I think we're all pretty excited for it. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Yep. I, I would we're probably. I was pretty excited for it. I, this is the one I, I will say I've probably been the one that's been the most hyped up for this one from the get, but I, it's, it's waning. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, as I'm learning more and more as we're getting close to release. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think I'm getting a little worried. Um, it's, I mean, I don't usually put a lot of stock in rotten tomato scores, but yep. it's at fifty three percent. Really, which is far. I mean, that's the first. This will, it, you know, it's going to be the first certified rotten MCU film. Ooh, critics though. Yes, but I will say this: um, there's not going to even be an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes because it got review bombed so bad on the audience score side that they just cut it off. Oh, wow. Um, I wonder why that is. Usually that's like in response to something. I, okay. So I think the review bombing was a direct result of the, um, of the premiere, the red carpet premiere. What happened at the red carpet premiere? 
well, you know, red carpet, it's your last big chance to really, it's the chance for the actors and the directors, producers, all those people to hype the film up. Mm-hmm. But instead of talking about how beautiful the movie is or how great the action or how great the characters are, they literally, I told, I told someone or Marisha might've said it first was if you played a drinking game to this and took a drink every time someone said, wait, 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 let me get, let me get, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Is it take a drink? Is it take a drink? Every time somebody says diversity, it is, you would be in the (laughs) hospital in a hurry. And it's like, I'm all for diversity, but that can't possibly be the big selling point for the movie. Yeah. Like, I want to hear about the story. I want to hear about, you know, the, the new characters. I want to hear about all these things, but when it's just, this movie's going to be great. It's so diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, diversity is great, but diversity won't make a great movie. It's just, it's and that that's in the same category. If you can make a really beautiful movie that sucks, you know, diversity doesn't automatically mean it's going to be a, a brilliant movie. And, um, and there's some other stuff going on. You know, it came out, this is the first MCU movie with a sex scene in it. Yeah. That I'm, I'm a little concerned about since my right. kids expect. To go well, to and the that's MCU. the thing This we, we have to go back to this. Mom and dad have to go see it first to see if you can see it in the theater yeah, or if you're going to have to wait to see it at home where we can. What does it mean by sex scene, you know? Right. Because, well, see, that's my question because, I mean, in the very first MCU movie, we do have Tony Stark rolling around in the bed with the reporter. Right. Um, which is not a sex scene. But it's no. it's definitely, definitely it's it's it is um, explicit. Well, it's it's a, you, it's not really explicit, but it's it's it it's tells suggestive. you it's it suggests that sex happens, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it is it's a sexy scene. You yes, say, right. Yes, which there yeah. is a difference between a sex right. scene and a sex. Well, and that's scene. the thing I got. There's in, lots of sexy scenes. <laughs> in the Right. And I got into this conversation on Twitter earlier with someone was saying, well, you know, oh, people all concerned about a sex scene in this movie when you don't know your comic book movie history and posted a picture of the bedroom scene uh, from Superman, the old Christopher Reeve Superman. It's like Uh that is not a sex scene. Yeah. It's like and that's the old school. Like, let's 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 clarify some things here. Let's say you have scenes that suggest that sex happened, right? You've done that in movies, TV shows forever. You know, you got the, you cut away and then you've got somebody smoking a cigarette or you, you've got yeah. whatever it is that suggests that it happened, right? right? Or you go a little further and you have a bedroom scene. That's right. the Tony Stark scene, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a bedroom scene. It's a little more than just insinuation, like it gives you a little more. It's like, yeah, this definitely fixing to happen, but still cuts away. Right. And, but that's what people kept saying. Well, you're, you're opposed to a sex scene, but all these things are in all these movies. Like those are not sex scenes. A sex scene is literally sex on screen. It's like a fight scene is a scene where people fight. Right. So if you don't have sex on scene, it's not a sex scene. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And just to clarify, because I know like 99% of the people listening are going to know exactly what we mean, but there's going to be that 1% who are like, well, in sex scenes, you don't see the actual sex happening. No, like, like, but whenever we say we see sex happening, it's like under the covers and right. stuff like that. Like that's a sex, right? Yeah. And, but it's going well, but it on. can be like in some things, like especially on the streaming services. I mean, look at the Witcher, look at brave new world. Right. Those are, those are pornographic. Right, 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 right. I just mean to say, like, we're not we're not suggesting that the actors themselves are li- themselves are literally having sex. That's not what we're talking right. about. But it's when you clearly see sex happening right. in terms of the fiction of the fictional world. Um, and yeah. you're right; like, those are sex scenes. So that's the question: is what is this going to be? Right. When they right. say there's a sex scene, is there going to be something like that? Like, I doubt we're going to actually see nudity no but i, I don't think you're um, gonna see nudity uh by all accounts whatever it is, is the covers thing I don't it's know. probably an under the covers thing supposedly it's pretty tame but my whole thing is like you're going okay this is the first sex scene in an mcu movie okay but <laughs> like did we really need anything in family what are supposed to be family friendly movies to go further than the first than that scene in iron man do we, do we need that right. in, in a comic book film? Or in, at least in what is supposed to be family fair? We don't necessarily need it. I mean, it depends on the context of the movie. Right. Before I'll, I'll say that or not. It might be... I mean, there there have been movies that I've seen where I thought, like, this, like there was a sex scene, but I thought it like actually fit the story pretty well. Right. And, and, well, and it was good for that, if it's meant for that. And if that's what's happening in this movie, cool. But then it's you're right. It's still the problem of it. This is an MCU comic book movie, right? That it's people still the, it's instinctively still the, bring their the, children the to. The question of do you want to go sit next to your four year old sister in a movie theater and watch that? Yeah, I do not. You know, and, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and, and I so wouldn't. That's kind of the issue. From that where is I. So, yes, I mean, that's my problem. Like, yes, it's like, I'm not saying, oh, no, you can't do sex scenes in movies. But, like, I think Disney has got to make a decision here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. is, you know, are you, the MCU, the foundation of the MCU is, and, and the reason it is successful, let's be real clear, family movies make more money than anything else. Yep. Movies that you can take. Everyone in the family too just inherently make more money because everyone in the family goes to see it. Right. I mean, so, surely they've got Eternals toys and Happy Meals right now. Yes. Like, are they? Surely they're not selling Happy Meal toys to a movie with an actual sex scene in it. Yeah. So here's the, here's where I'm at on this, and and I'm going to read you this article. Um, This is from the Toronto Sun, interviewed uh, Chloe Zhao, the director of the film. And she says, Eternal sex scene is beautiful. Um, She's, let's see. Chloe Zhao's upcoming film, The Eternals, features the first ever sex scene in a Marvel movie. And the Oscar winner insists it's beautiful. She says that it was already in the script when she took control of it. So she didn't put it in. It was already there uh, by whoever wrote the script. Um, she thinks that it's a crucial part of the plot and, but what this is, this is where it's kind of the kicker for me. This is a quote from Zhao and it says for us to be able to show two people who love each other, not just emotionally and intellectually, but also physically and to have 
a sex scene that will be seen by a lot of people that shows their love and compassion and gentleness, I think it's really a beautiful thing. And so basically beyond that, she's advocating <laughs> for this to be the norm. Right. That's just strange. I just find that really, really strange. Um, yeah, I don't, and also like, like, oh, we're going to show people, it's going to be seen by so many people, like, as if so many people haven't, like, seen a sex scene in a movie before, as if this, as if this is some groundbreaking thing. Right. Um, and it's like, so many people, so many people who go see this are children. So what do you mean by sex scene? Okay. And, and it, it can get. I don't know. I'll just have to see it first and know what it means. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, you know, it's it's one thing to sit here and talk about it, but we haven't seen it. Um, by accounts <sighs> I've read, it's very tame. But what might be considered tame to some people is apparently borderline. I mean, to some people, borderline pornographic is tame. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all depends on where your on where your comfort level is with that sort of thing in in entertainment right and see my concern is not that oh i'm gonna go see this movie and it's gonna have this scene in it my concern is is that this is an mcu movie this is it's like star wars like i don't want stuff like this in star wars because star wars has always been about families it's always been for families but you've got people that want that kind of stuff in star wars too and it's like and that's why i'm saying disney's got a decision they've got to make because it's like you start, if you do make this the norm, right, you can no longer market it to children. You you can't market yourself as family friendly anymore. I mean, they will because they don't see the hypocrisy of it, but. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think that there is room for things like that in Marvel properties. Yes. Um, I, I think that there is room for it. For example, Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool is very explicit, and mm -hmm. I don't even there were there were some some suggestive scenes. I don't think there was a sex scene in Deadpool. Um, I think there is though. There was a, well, there was that montage. Of, <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. Of them on the holidays, but that was still you never saw right it happening right. But if but if you did, I still think it would fit Deadpool, right? Right. No, but it wouldn't be Deadpool's out of place a in that film. That is it's rated R. And I think that that is fair enough to, I think it's fair enough to say that it falls on the responsibility of parents to not let their children see that. Right. Um, because it is, that is what it is. It's adult entertainment. It's adult entertainment. And it's a character that is rated R and is explicit and curses and, and is bloody and all these things like that. Eternals. This comes out of nowhere. Yeah. If there's a, like this, there's nothing specific or special or different about this movie in terms of the MCU that would make you go something like, Oh, it's Deadpool. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. I just want to take my children to see that. This is, this is a thing where like, it is very possible that we never would have even heard about it and have no idea. And then we go into it and we see that and it's unexpected. Same thing. We're like with the Punisher. Like I know not to show my four year old sister punish the Punisher TV show. Right. And yeah. that's fine. And that's or cool. Jessica Jones, or what? Or anything or in the Jeff Netflix Marvel? Anything yeah. in the Netflix Marvel? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Okay, it's not the first freaking Marvel sex scene. Jessica Jones has an explicit sex scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very. Oh. With, with Luke Cage. 
It's 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 an ex- that's a sex scene, and but that's fine because any if you do a little re- research, you know that like that is like Jessica Jones comic books kind of feature those explicit things, and it's also on this Netflix show that is in a like noticeably darker and grittier tone than the other MCU stuff. Eternals is just another MCU movie that apparently has this in it kind of out of nowhere. Um, so look, I'm and, and me personally, like completely ignoring children. I don't care. I think it's great. Like I just, I don't care, but I totally understand the problem. Yeah. And I do see room for that kind of thing in the MCU. You just can't put it in. You can't just put it in willy nilly is the thing. Right. I mean, Same and, thing with Star Wars. and I'm I'd not even okay sure how you, if there's stuff like that in Star Wars, but it had to be the same thing where it's like obviously very clearly a different R-rated. side, an R-rated, and a different side of Star Wars that you don't want to take your children to see. I'd be okay with that personally. Um, maybe I don't like it. I might like, like I might, I might watch it and just not be into it as a show if that happened, but. I'd be okay with it existing, just like I'm okay with Jessica Jones and the Punisher and Deadpool existing in the Marvel properties. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of the path that ultimately killed Stargate. And you can blame Stargate, you know, the death of Stargate on a lot of things. And there are a lot of causes, but I think the death nail was the reception to the first season of Stargate Universe. Yes. Because you went. Movie, family-friendly. Stargate SG-1, family-friendly. Stargate Atlantis, family-friendly. Stargate Universe, absolutely not family-friendly. Starting with... There was there was a sex scene in the first episode of Stargate Universe. And I was like, what is this? And people rejected it wholeheartedly. Yeah. That's because it, Because it didn't make sense to do it in that franchise. Or at the very least... There should have been some preparation made of, you know, towards, hey, this is this is not the same. This is a little different. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I'm feeling here is like we get down to time for the movie to come out and then we go, oh, yeah, by the way, you're probably not going to be able to take your kids without checking it out first. It's like, right. Yeah. And I really hope she's exaggerating and I hope that it's just literally not that big of a deal. Like. Honest to it God, it be. may not be. It may not be even as bad as no. it is the Iron Man scene. No, it might. It might be. And also the way she's describing it, I'm describing like I don't know. I'm imagining Icarus and whoever his love interest is. Like I imagine them just like kissing passionately and like holding each other close. Right, because apparently it, like, sex is away. the only way to show physical affection. At least right, it's kind of, of the way I read her comments in that article. Yeah. And I imagine them, that's what I imagine them doing. And then it cuts away. And I wouldn't call that a sex scene. Right. Um, so it's, it's, is it a sex scene or is it what we were talking about to start off where it's like, it, it's insinuates. Yeah. That this, that this, that this takes place because that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as other things, like. You know, I'm still excited to see the movie. I like the big epic fantasy. Uh, I am a little more wary now. I had thought that this one, based on the trailers, especially the second trailer, 
I thought this movie was going to just crush it. Mm-hmm. It looked really epic. But the number, the the critic rating, you know, when when the buzzword was diversity, and the buzzword was first gay character in the MCU, when the buzz was first sex scene in the MCU, I fully expected this to be ninety plus percent on Rotten Tomato. And it's not, so I'm really wondering what the flaw in the film is. I feel like there's no way that this is the first gay character in the MCU. I'm trying to think, though, and I can't think of one. I mean, I don't know that there might be some that they've kind of intended to be, but I think this is the the first, like... In Endgame, Joe Russo's cameo character in, <laughs> right. in the uh, in the in the therapy meeting. Yeah, game. boom, there you go. Yeah, that was the one that made everybody no. mad. Um, but I, I think I didn't make me mad. Well, no, I, it made it made people mad because it was like a some. It was like a token. It was like tokenism. It was like, well, you didn't really get, give us a gay character. It's kind of a cop out. Oh, it's the you. same reason people got mad at the end of uh, the Rise of Skywalker when they wanted the you know a gay character, and you had the two women kissed at the end, and they're like, well, that was a cop out. That's not what we meant, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't think of one in the MCU. No, now that I think about it. No, nah, this Which, will this will be the first openly homosexual character in the MCU. Do you think there's any chance that some of the pushback might be okay? So, did y'all hear about part of one of the post credit scenes? I have uh, not. I haven't heard anything about the post credit scenes. Okay. Um. You know what? Just a bitch. Just based on knowing you two. I know that you're not going to care about this extremely minor spoiler, but I'm going to give a a minor spoiler warning. And trust me, you're not going to be upset that I tell you this. (laughs) Okay. Um, Howard the Duck is back. (laughs) Harry Styles is in is in it as Thanos' brother. You know, I did I did hear that in one of the post credit scenes. That's so bizarre. Yeah, so you might have seen that Harry Styles was cast as Thanos' brother, but he actually shows up in the post credit scene. That's okay. all I know. So that's what I'm saying. Extremely minor. I didn't think either of y'all would care if I told you that, but no. Yeah, no. So I've I wonder if there's some sort of pushback because Harry Styles, but I think that's dumb. I I don't think that's the case. That is just pure speculation. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was in that Dunkirk movie, and that movie got good reviews. So I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. My thing is, is I'm still, I'm still excited. I'm a little more leery of it now, but I'm still excited to go see this movie. I've been excited about it for a while and you know, I'm not gonna, I I never let critic reviews ruin a movie for me. Um, because frankly, I I love a lot of movies with really terrible critic ratings. Mm -hmm. I've made myself stop watching reviews before I'd go see a movie. Cause I, I don't usually, I, and I haven't really read any of these. All I did was mm-hmm. looked at the score, um, uh, because I had been seeing around that it had, uh, yeah. continued to, it was at 63 earlier this week, which was just clinging to a fresh rating. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of as more reviews roll in, which way is it going to go? So I, I did look and it's definitely going the wrong direction. I really want to like this movie. Oh, I really, I do really too. do. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, and my, and again, my fear is it goes back to what you've talked about several times on this show. It's the fir- if it is the first MCU flop, right? What mm-hmm. lesson do they learn from it? Mm-hmm. Oh, diversity doesn't sell. Possibly, or it's either that, or like we didn't push it hard enough. And believe me, you did. Oh, um, I got you. And, well, I mean, it could be anything. The it's, that's extremes. the thing. They never learn the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's like our catchphrase now. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the shows I was listening to earlier today, we talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's the wrong lessons. Yeah, you're definitely not wrong with it, though. Like, you know, companies will often learn, and it's not just it's not just companies that make movies. Companies just learn the wrong lesson when things don't go right, or when things yeah. do sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like I like after Deadpool was R rated. The lesson that should have been learned by movie studios was, oh, comic book accurate characters make money. Instead, yes. what was learned was, instead, oh. what was learned was ooh, rated R. It's like all comic book movies need I, to be rated R now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like, yes, there are some comic book movies that need to be rated R. Deadpool, that Logan movie, uh, Blade, yeah. just to throw that out there because it's probably not going to be. You know, and I and I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, they they apparently have full intention of making a Deadpool movie in the MCU. I still don't know how that yeah. works. Uh, so I'm here's a, my I'm assuming question. parallel the universe is the way we're going to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so don't, just don't talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just sort of be like, and here's the thing. So here's my question: Like, Disney Plus has been fairly closed fisted about the sort of content they'll allow on their service, right? Yeah. It's gotta be family friendly and certain even certain um old films that have uh content that that you know we we all now recognize as problematic. Well they're editing song Song of the yep. South Oh, that one! No, oh, are you kidding? They like scrubbed that from existence so long ago. <laughs> I'm just that's just what came to mind. Yeah, um, like children under seven can't watch Dumbo or Peter Pan or wait, what? Yeah, Dumbo because of the the crows. The crows, Peter Pan because of the Indians. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't know about all that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they've been really. You know they've they've really worked hard to curate family friendly on the streaming service. So if this if this is indeed not just a romantic scene or a bedroom scene, but an actual sex scene, does that go up on Disney Plus? Yeah. Now I brought this up because I thought it was worth talking about, and I mostly brought it up as a possible reason for part of what's going wrong with this movie in the ratings. However, because of all the things that you just said, and because they want to continue to sell toys of all these characters, and they want to put it on that streaming service, I think that this is probably really overblown. Hopefully, yeah. And you know, my definitions of sex scenes are so different based on who you're talking to. Like, for example, my one of my favorite movies, Chef. Yes. Um, uh... Have y'all That's seen a Chef? Chef is a fantastic yeah. movie. 
Yeah, I consider you know the scene where he makes noodles for Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, that's a sex scene. <laughs> so yeah, it's like what it, does it, maybe Icarus just makes some noodles for I don't know who's in this movie Angelina Jolie or whatever I don't know. <laughs> um, funny. Maybe it's almost just making noodles. I don't know. Um, never can tell. It's actually a great example of like. I think a, a scene like being a romantic scene that is like clearly indicates their romantic, physical, sexual feelings for each other, but it's just making noodles. Yeah. Those are some that's good noodles. Good writing. That's it's good writing. Yeah. I made those noodles. Oh my God. Uh, Scarlet's pasta there. It's, 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 it's the official recipe name. <laughs> they are <laughs> delicious. They're so simple. They're so easy. My best friend who passed away, it was his favorite thing. The last thing he asked me to ever cook for him was those noodles. So, thanks. Thanks, chef, for your yeah. sexy. <laughs> Man, take a... You know, I'm talking about drinking games earlier. Take a shot every time we say sex in this podcast. Right? <laughs> we may have to censor the kids from listening to this episode. <laughs> Yeah, which is funny because, you know, ironically, this is probably going to end up being more of an explicit conversation than the actual scene in the movie that we're talking about. It's very <laughs> possible. That would be, in fact, be in fact, maybe probable. <laughs> Here's hoping. So. Yeah, my kids, bless them. They like, you know, some kids have questions about birds and bees, not mine. They're like, Mom, stop. Stop. <laughs> and like, y'all will get about two minutes into this episode and skip it. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to hear a parent talking about all this stuff. <laughs> she just wants to talk about comp Marvel and superheroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, yeah, Eternals. Can y'all hang on just a second? Can y'all hear the air conditioner that just kicked no. on? I can't. You can or, or I not? I can't. I can't, no, cannot. I, I can't hear it. Okay, good. All right, good deal. Just making yeah. sure. Have y'all heard any of the yelling about Apex Legends? I haven't. That's no. good. Because they're getting loud. That dude's <laughs> crazy. Here's, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. Logan is really, really, really good. And his girlfriend, Victoria, is really, really bad. But he has to play with her so that she doesn't feel bad. And it, it causes conflict. because the poor man is just trying to balance his relationship with also his extreme competitiveness (laughs) trying to balance the guy trying to balance his uh his relationship and his kill death ratio exactly (laughs) exactly and his kill death ratio has gone down (laughs) in sacrifice for religion i mean this is the guy who he cursed at my dad on vacation we went on because we were doing axe throwing and Logan hit it on like the highest point one, and my dad was like, Oh, wait, is that it? And Logan turned around and said, Are you effing blind? So, like, <laughs> yeah, to my father. So, um, wow. Yeah, this is a competitive guy. So, <laughs> there's lots of, yeah, he's a great dude. He's a great guy. You know, n- n- never, never gotten angry or whatever. Just really competitive. Really competitive. Yeah, really competitive. Hey, well, and, aren't you glad that I never got into video games and dragged down your kill death ratio? 
Uh, so, and well, Victoria is not competitive at all. Yeah. That's the Andrew problem. used to like, like make comments about this buddy that he played with and his girlfriend drives his warthog for him. I was like, well, his <laughs> girlfriend must be nicer than yours because <laughs> Halo driving. it's not going to happen. And I always wanted someone to drive the warthog for me. Yeah. That's my, me. that's my lost love story. Is yeah. that I, never, I wanted someone to pilot the Falcon. Yeah. Well, when, when we used to, when we used to play, uh, play halo like we had drivers and gunners like designated drivers and gunners yeah uh, yeah because i mean we had like three guys that were in the top 50 in the world in the, in the gunner chair on the war dog that's that's awesome that's great i love when i play games with friends and our friendship genuinely gets stronger over like <laughs> how well one of us plays support and the other plays uh dps oh. yeah yeah um so anyway any other thoughts on eternals before we finally stop talking about it until we actually see the movie yeah no i think that's uh i think that's got it for me uh, i'm still excited about it still gonna go see it uh and can't wait to talk about it and uh by the time you're listening to this we have probably seen it and so be on the lookout for our uh spoiler conversation on the youtube channel Speaking of spoiler conversations on the YouTube channel, y'all did one on the Dune movie uh, last yeah. week that unfortunately I had to miss. I wasn't available to do the show, but I did see the movie. I actually saw it twice. Nice. Did you? I saw it once on HBO Max and once in theaters. Okay. Yeah. That's um, what we did. Yeah. Definitely glad I went and saw it in theaters because um, Visually, it was beautiful. But yeah, y'all did a whole show about it with um, uh, was it is it Chantel or Chantel? How do you say her name? Chantel. Chantel over from the um, which podcast is? She's it? from the Scarif Scarif Scarecrow. I couldn't remember if it, I knew it was with Roe. Yes, <laughs> uh, but there are so many S podcast there's science fictionary and conversations and <laughs> scarif and salty nerd and like all these different podcasts that have an s in there somewhere on our wonderful red five network um but yeah y'all we had a, a guest on there to talk about it and i actually didn't get a chance to watch that show so i don't know what y'all think about it but um, I'll let y'all tell me without going too deep in it, since there is a whole episode for our viewers to go listen to. Where, or well, at least Andrew, Marisha, were you on that show? I was on that show, yes. Okay, yeah. So both of y'all did go into it uh, a good bit. Um, I did talk about it a little bit with my dad, who told me that he tried to throw me in there a couple times. Yeah, he did kind of uh, mentioned uh, and, and some of your y'all's conversations yeah. you'd had about it. So, yeah, but I have no idea what y'all think about it. Um, so, I'll just say, overall, I I liked it. That's the end of the review. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, what y'all think? Um, I really oh, liked uh, it. Um, I, I thought they did a lot of things extremely well. Um, uh, I think they did an excellent job. You know, one of the things we talked about at length on that episode was, you know, all of the, the kind of 
smaller story arcs, side arcs that were mm-hmm. kind of left out, but it feels like they did a really good job of distilling the main story out of the book mm-hmm. and, and conveying the main story. And of course, you know, my concern, I walked out of it and I was like, I loved it. My concern is I don't know how people who haven't read the book are going to react to it. Um, and according to Chantel, she, she was great with it. She loved it, had never read the book, uh, and is actually reading the book now, uh, because she liked the movie so much. She followed it pretty well. Yeah. We got to the end of it. She says, I don't understand. I said, well, what don't you understand? And so like, she gave me the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just didn't answer all your questions because it's only the first half. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, uh, you know, it's, I felt like the break is at a little bit of a weird place. Yeah. Um, it's probably my, my, my only two real complaints with the movie are, is I still feel like Jessica is a little too emotional for a Benny Jesseret. I 100% agree. Oh my God. That was my biggest problem with the movie. Honestly, yeah. that slamming y'all might've just heard was me slamming my fist down because I <laughs> agree. So, and that, and it bothered me so much. And my dad talks about her performance. Like she is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I get it. <laughs> I get that you like her, but like, I just don't think it was, I think it was good. Yeah. But I don't think that she, did a super great job. I agree. Well, and we, so emotional. We talked about that a, a little, and I do agree, you know, you know, as your dad kind of pointed this out, you know, a lot of the kind of making her a little bit more emotional when she's not around, because when she's around people, she's not emotional, uh, except in the one place where she's supposed to be. Uh, but she's still that cold character around people, but very emotional when she's not. And I think that that does do something towards indicate, you know, showing that struggle between the two sides of who she is. Um, you know, the wife of Leto Atreides and the Bene Gesserit. And, you know, though we, I think the main thing was, that we saw much more of her breaking down than we saw of her being stoic. Yeah, I agree. And so whenever the stoic moments happened, it felt really jarring to me. Yeah. Like at near the end, whenever she gets the jump on Stilgar and I'm like, where the hell did that come from? Five minutes ago, you were crying like a little baby. Like what? Yeah. Um, it just, it makes it feel jarring while in the book, I think it's a much more consistent character. Yeah. Yeah, um, her, her, and just her straight up whimpering at times. Um, yeah, no, just and that was really bothering. That's my one big gripe with the movie. The only other gripe I really have at all with the movie, and it's to a much less lesser extent, is that I don't like where they split it. I felt like they should have ended it before they met the Fremen. Yeah, it feels like they really, really want. It feels almost like the studio was like, you have to actually put Zendaya in the movie physically, right. not just in a dream sequence. Right. She has to be in there at some point. And so it was like, okay, I guess. I, also, it's like, hey, we need to see Paul have a cool action scene. He's the protagonist. He needs a cool action scene. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's, he needs to it's, have a fight scene. It's kind like, of this thing where we chose a point to end it, and you're right. That's probably exactly why they ended it there, was for the impact of having Zendaya show up, actually show up. Um, mm-hmm. but it makes more sense because you're beginning the the new. That's the beginning of a new thing where they meet the Fremen. And and so it makes sense that it would have made sense for it to have cut off right before that, when they escaped the sandworm. Yeah. And then to pick back up with them meeting the Fremen where that's a more natural split. Um, yeah, but I, you also didn't get, it was your only chance really to show that Paul can indeed take care of himself in a fight. Um, so I kind of get some reasons why they did it, but I don't think it was the best place to split it. I think it should have ended a few minutes earlier. Yeah. yeah. In fact, um, it might could have, even if you were going to show it, maybe it ends with him killing uh, the, the Fremen that he's yeah. fighting. Right when the stab happens yeah. and then just that's the end. Yeah, instead of yeah, continuing maybe. on to this transitional scene of now we're going to go live with the Fremen in the desert. That's where it should have picked up. Yeah, it felt really weird, especially when he's like, <laughs> desert power. <laughs> yeah! It's like, <laughs> stop. It's, <laughs> so... Is that a line from the book? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Desert power. I, I, yeah. You know what? Now I do remember it. it, it see, it doesn't feel that force and weird whenever like Plato's talk says it like right. that feels cool that's perfect but just the way that he kind of in the end I'm talking like that specific moment in the end does he look oh, yeah. At, yeah. at somebody riding a worm and go desert power yeah yeah um, it, it it's the the line's a little weird and forced right there like it's, it's fine just, when Leto's talking about it earlier mm-hmm. yeah and it makes sense um but I get it. I understand what they were going for, but no, you're right. It's not the, it's not the best line right there. It's, it's almost, you didn't, smirk, you didn't need his smirk that kills. You, you didn't need a line right there. Mm-hmm. You just, just appreciate the visual and, and end. And, but it, you know, it's not what we got, but overall, I love the movie. It absolutely deserves to be seen on the biggest screen you can find. Yeah. Visually, it is a beautiful looking movie. Um, that was probably my favorite part of it was the design of everything. I think everything looked so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, well, what did you think worm, about so. the, um, including the sandworm, the um, the digital effects, the CGI, and, and everything that was done? Um, so amazing. The ornithopters, the the sandworms, the ships. Mm. Um, David, what did you, what did you think about those things? I thought they were freaking perfect. I I loved it so much. I think it looked so cool. It's, it's exactly how I imagined the technology in this world looking. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a really interesting world, uh, because of the way technology is because yes, it's super far in the future, but also there was this big sort of reset after like the elimination of computers and things like that. So Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 gonna be this like kind of weird mix where in the Thopter you have like basically what just looks like modern day helicopter technology, right? 
but also it's this doctor that like flies like a dragonfly. Like it's 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 a really cool mix, and I think that was done really really well. Um, uh, I, I like all the technology and the way that kind of s- stuff was. I don't think a lot of stuff was explained too well in the movie. Uh, when it comes even to some of the visual stuff, like I don't think the re- I think people are gonna watch. In fact, I know this because I watched it with my two roommates who know nothing about Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, they walked away and they were like, "So what's the point of the shields if they just get stabbed anyway?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, there are energy weapons, and so the idea is when you shoot a shield with the energy weapon that it's that it doesn't go through, and then the 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 weapons do get the knives do get slowed down when they're going through. But the reason they use sword is so they can like the fact that I have to explain that I think is a, a problem. Um, yeah, I, I feel like they didn't do a good job of explaining the religious nature of a lot no. of the stuff that's going on they didn't do the a, second time i watched it i picked up on it a little bit better yeah it's um, it's there it's just subtle and maybe too subtle for people that have it it sort of and and this is denny villeneuve and uh the man is a brilliant filmmaker um he's a little arrogant and he's uh is obviously a massive fan of the writings of frank herbert and I think he, he just assumed that everyone would would get it. That I think he I think he overassumed how many people have actually read that book. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, there's a few. There was a point in time where if you were a sci-fi fan, you had read that book. But that's not really true anymore because no. by and large, people don't read anymore. But yeah. Um a large majority of people who went to see this movie did not read the book. And I think that's okay. Um, and, and, and for the most part, I think people walked away, like getting the story kind of about that. People walked away, at least from what my experience of talking to three people who knew nothing about the book, who've seen this movie, they got that Paul is important. And one of them picked up on the fact that it's kind of been, forced by the Bene Gesserit to be that way like they've right. kind of propag- propaganda use propaganda to spread this idea of the messiah right it's it's a it's an amalgam of yeah. of uh science religion and propaganda yeah one of them picked up on that um also some of the other stuff that didn't really explain the the Bene Gesserit huh. powers um i kind of had to explain like Okay, the, it's not magic. They don't have magic. It's just that like humans have evolved to be able to do this, and they've been training. That's what the Bene Gesserit are. Um, also, they never even said the word mentat. Yeah, which right. Bothered me, so I had to be like afterwards. They were like, "So what's up with that?" And I was like, "Okay, so here's what mentats are." Um, there's a couple character stuff that i didn't like okay so i don't remember his name but the mentat that works for the baron um uh Thufer no 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 that's the that's who works for the duke it's Thufer. oh yeah peter um, defreeze yeah yeah um he's pointless in this movie yeah. entirely pointless and i hated that um in the book like, it's actually yep. him who kills the doctor Right. 
<laughs> because the Baron just doesn't like violence. Actually, I thought that was a really cool thing. Nope, that's he's just he's just there, and then he dies. Like it's so stupid. Um, like, what was even the point of him existing in the movie? And um, they went and got a really versatile actor to play him to do yeah. nothing. They got Ant Man's friend. He was just so lackey. Yeah. I thought he looked perfect in the part, but then he did nothing. Um, yeah. What the else? The Sardaukar, There's... though, how creepy were they? The what? The Sardaukar? Oh, is that, that, that's the, uh, is that the Emperor's That's army? the Emperor's yeah. army, yeah. Yeah, they were cool, and they looked awesome. The blood and the... Yeah, they looked awesome. Yeah, um, like, that was one creepy planet. But did I miss something, or did the, in, in the book... Did the Baron float? Yes. He did. I thought he just had like things that helped him walk. No, I think he actually kind of levitates, but I think they might have gone a little more extreme with it in the movie. Yeah. But I suppose that's open for interpretation there. But I guess so. Um, I just, and now, once again, as we established on a previous episode, I read the abridged version on Audible that they advertised as the unabridged but was indeed abridged but so, they lie yeah. yeah but i just don't remember that but I mean, whatever I, I think they went a little further than i would have thought it went in the book but i didn't yeah, it he's didn't, flying yeah it didn't bother me but it's uh yeah i don't think it was exactly the way i pictured it from the book but like i said i know, like how gross he is i think he they looks definitely great. pulled off menacing right yeah, he's he's menacing and and really gross and intimidating. I liked that. Yeah. Um, I really re- really liked Duke Leto in this. Absolutely. I think that Oscar Isaac was great. I think he was great. I yes. would have liked to see more of him and Jessica together. I think they share like one, maybe two scenes together. Yeah. Um. So like the whole plot about like how he knows she's not a spy, but like everyone else thinks she is. And so he has to pretend that she isn't, but he tells Paul that, he, that he never doubted her for a second. Like, that's great. That in the book, I 100% buy their romance in the movie. Just not so much. Um, I also like, I had to explain to my friends that they're not married. See, yeah, that it, it was confusing because the Reverend mother refers to her as the Duke's wife. Yeah. The first time she's referred to, and I was like, well, that's really interesting. Is that the direction they're going? And then they said something later about, I should have married you. And I was like, yeah, that's confusing. That's just bad. That is a, that is a mistake. I mean, there are cultures where the line between wife and concubine is blurry. Well, and that that it, is absolutely one of the things that Herbert was writing about. Have you watched the sci-fi miniseries, the Dune miniseries? Yes. I mean, like, they literally bust that out at the end of that. You know, Chani's talking and talks about, you know, one, you know, the concubine of of uh, Paul Atreides, you know, the, the concubines who will one day will be known as, as wives. And it's this idea of, you know, of course you're marrying for status. Um, right. you know, 
but it's it's these people. It's the, the, the concubines who were the true wives, which is mm-hmm. true true of both Channy and uh, Jessica and Jessica. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. but and the fact that she that she referred to her as the wife, even though like that can and there are cultures where concubines are also referred to as wives. It might have shown, it might have been more about the importance of how the Bene Gesserit viewed the relationship. But it made it very confusing whenever he said, I should have married you. Yeah, no, it's not explained well. No. Um, Now, I do think that the second half, as we start dealing with Paul and Channy and then Paul's future wife... Uh, when we start getting into that, then I think we get to back up and say, okay, so they do eventually explain it. But at that point in the movie, it, yeah, it's a little like, wait, I'm yep. confused now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was confusing stuff. Um, some stuff, I, some more stuff I did like before I get into the one big thing that I didn't like. Uh, Duncan Idaho was awesome in this movie and he was my two roommates' favorite character. They said they just want to see a movie about Duncan Idaho. I mean, he, yeah, he was great. He was great. Um, Stilgar, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I think he was awesome. Um, I love the still suits and the way that works and, and the way that it looks. Um, I think they just, everything looks freaking dope. Um, Absolutely. I think Timothy Chalamet did a good job as Paul. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was really great. Um, and overall, I do like the movie, and I am happy with it. And I think it is a good adaptation of the book. Um, so here's the thing that Nick picks me the most. And I don't know if anyone's going to agree with it. But other than – this is not about the soundtrack. The soundtrack is great. But the sound design really – really ticked me off in this movie Mm. because I hate when movies do this and it's so common now. I hate the inception noise. The And that, yeah, I, I noticed that in this movie a lot. Anytime anything happened, like that was like, Ooh, look, they look up and the city's burning. Like, oh crap! Here come here come the bad guys. It ticked me off so much. I I think that a lot of the dialogue was way too quiet. Um, this might just come down to the acting too. I think that they, especially Lady Jessica, she was always whispering when there's no reason to whisper. She always does like this. You apologize. These. <laughs> She always talked like that, even when there's no reason to be whispering. Yeah, there's there's um, some of that. And then there's um, there's some scenes that are really dark. And on the big screen, they look amazing. Yeah. yeah. On the TV, not so much. On the TV, yeah. I kept, was like, initially was like, there's something wrong with my TV. Like, that sandworm scene was even dark in the theater. It was, but it looked better. It looked good yeah. on the screen, on the big screen. It doesn't look good on the TV. No. 
And honestly, that's a little bit of a, that's kind of an asinine thing to do because yes, everybody's going to see it when it comes out in the theater. And then for the next forever, it's going to be people watching it on their home TVs. It's true, but that doesn't mean that eventually or by the time that a Blu-ray or something comes out or the very likely extended cuts that we'll eventually get, uh, that they won't go in and lighten some of those things up for the TV. That's that's always something that can be done. Yeah. So this is a little abstract I'm about to say, and I don't know if it's going to make much sense. And I don't think it makes much sense to me, but I hope you get what I'm saying. Earlier you said that like Denis Villeneuve kind of relied a little too much on people having read the book, kind of overestimating the amount of people who have. I also think that he kind of relied a little too much on the epicness that comes with the name of Dune. Uh, I think there's a lot of... Tr- what are, how am I trying to put this? A little... There's a lot of, like, isn't this epic and awesome because it's Dune? Isn't this, like, isn't this the adaptation you've wanted forever? Isn't this great? Brrrr. <laughs> And it's like, okay, let's. How about just let it be great? And it relied a little too much on the inherent epicness that comes with Dune, and and sort of making it Shakespearean in a way. Um, I don't know if any of that made sense. I hope it kind of does. It's not a little bit um, not self conscious. What's the word? Shoot, I had it. Now it's gone. See, it's, it's, like, I don't know how to describe it. A little bit like self, is it self-important? Self, self-aggrandizing. It's a little self-aggrandizing, I think. And I think the reason that doesn't work is because, to be honest, I liked this movie, but I think it was a pretty boring movie. I mm. and, and if, I understand if you disagree with that 100%. That's fair. I just, especially the second time watching it, even though I was picking up on more, I just found it so boring. I liked it. I love a good boring movie, okay? Star Trek The Motion Picture's great. (laughs) I love a good boring movie, but I think this movie was a little boring. And I think it it, it was okay with being boring because it was like, yeah, it's boring, but isn't just as epic what's happening that we're getting Dune right now? And I, I can see that. That's just it's kind me. of how I interpreted things. I don't mean that to say like he was being. I'm not trying to be cynical or say that it was like necessarily even a bad thing, but I just kind of got this feeling uh, from watching it that was like that. There's and, not a lot of intense moments, and even what? the and even the intense moments don't seem people don't seem overly concerned about the tense moments. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it's the soundtrack. The soundtrack. I agree. It, it fit the tone of the movie, but it was not really, it didn't, it it didn't really heighten your emotional state. Does that make sense? That that makes perfect sense. It It kind of didn't make you feel anything. And and on one hand, I appreciate because, you know, let's be honest. The book is a little that way. 
It is. Um, it is. And it I is. and I do I, the same think criticism and, applies to the book. And I would say that what I do admire is that he went because this this is what and I, I said this in our, our YouTube video. I talked a little longer about that this than I'm fixing to right now. So if you're interested in this, go check that out on the YouTube channel. But uh, it's it's what's kind of commonly known as cold sci-fi. Uh, the this style of sci-fi, the the book, uh, where it's very cold, sterile, almost, and it's it's attached. It is, and it and uh, Herbert wrote this way. Asimov wrote this way. Um, and, and there are some other big names that that kind of wrote this way. And so, on one hand, I do sort of admire that the villain who stuck to his guns and made that movie like where he could have very easily, you know, star Wars did up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and on one hand, sense. like, I don't know that I'd have been happy about that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, describe it that way. Uh, that makes perfect sense. You know, honestly, I feel like June and foundation are a case study in two completely opposite ways to approach sci-fi that's written this way. Um, foundation went in for let's keep the bones of the story, but spin our own emotional yarn around it. Right. And which is, which is went fun. For no, we're we're sticking to not just the storyline of the book, but the feel of the book. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It definitely feels like the book, which I think is a compliment. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I definitely get the same thing. I totally get that cold sci-fi thing, and that's kind of what the book is. It, it's it is cold. It's not exciting. It's not an exciting book to read, I think. Right. Well, um, you know, I I listened to it and I enjoyed it and I liked it, but I was never excited to press play on the audiobook. Um yeah. when I read something like um well Philip K Game Dick kind of writes the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh man in the man in the high like, castle uh yeah. uh what is the book that Blade Runner is based on? Uh, uh, uh do do androids dream yes. of electric sheep. Um uh, you know Philip K Dick very much is kind of a cold sci-fi writer. Mhm. Mhm. But when when I read books like Game of Thrones or whatever, which is just as, like, I think not just as intellectual, but it's very intellectual. It's intellectual, but it's it's injected with a lot more emotion. It's injected with a lot more emotion and a lot more exciting. Even the political stuff is a lot more exciting because there's more gears that are turning. This, now, I think that Dune is very Shakespearean in the way... um, that it's kind of written. And I think this movie felt very Shakespearean, especially like with the stuff of the Baron and the Duke. It's almost like I, I described the first half of the book uh, and what, and actually I think I've said this before in the podcast that I want, I wanted this movie to just be the tragedy of Duke Leto. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and where it's like kind of clear that he's going to die from the beginning. And it's just a slow burn to the Baron's going to attack and, and kill him. Um, and I just, I think that's cool and I like it and it's intelligent and I do have to think about it, but it's not very exciting because there's not 
actually a lot of players going on. I mean, when you look at the big scale there is with the Bene Gesserit and the Emperor and the and Duke Leto and the Baron, but then again, that's only like four. It's like four players going on, and it's pretty... Once you think about it for a second, I think it's pretty simple to follow, especially when it gets laid out to you the way it does. Yeah. And so it kind of makes it not that exciting to me. A lot of it wasn't very exciting. Yeah. I think it was good. I enjoyed it's it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. I think it's well written, but not exciting. Right. And that's a little said, detached. I don't know if I. I'm sure I'll watch this movie again. Don't think it's going to be something like I rewatch yearly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting one. It, it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like listening to someone tell a story, but with really cool visuals, like you're detached from the emotion of the characters mm-hmm. because of the way the story is being told. Mm-hmm. But you know, with the and benefit think- of the visuals. And kind of to go back to the conversation about Jessica, I think maybe that's why her her performance hit a little strangely, because everyone else has got that detachment going on. Yeah, it's really just, noticeably. Yeah. And then does. the one character who okay. should the, the who one should be detached. Yeah, right. Right. So I to say that she should be like heartless, but like she just right. No, she I, seemed weak. Exactly. And I full on, I full on understand. I think I understand why they did it. I just don't know if it was the right decision. You know, I think the reason, so like my, my two roommates, their favorite character was Duncan Idaho. And in my, in this movie, my favorite character was Duncan Idaho. And I think that the reason he clicked and connected the most was because I think he was the character who actually did show the most emotion. He had some charisma. He had some charisma. Like even I, even other actors who were very charismatic didn't you know didn't yeah. show that. Now I think and the, that and, and their second favorite character was Duke Leto, who I think was the that, second most charismatic part of the movie. Right, mm-hmm. and I, and I mean honestly, I would say that probably with the exception of of uh oh what's his name that plays Drax and uh uh. uh Dave Bautista. Right. Probably with the exception of Dave Bautista, I do think that Jason Momoa is probably the second weakest character or second weakest actor in this movie. Mm -hmm. But sort of almost because the dude's just charismatic, right? Like that's, that's who he is. That's every character he plays. It's like that's how he is in, in real life. In fact, that's they, how he is when you run across him on the floor at a comic con. Right. And it's like this was the most restrained I think anyone's ever made him in a movie. Mm-hmm. But I that agree. that charisma still ble- it, it, it needed they needed to rein him in a little bit. But that charisma still just comes through. I, I think that it's just I don't I, I don't think he can turn it off. I also think that like the scene where he finds Jessica and Paul and he like hugs them tight and then is on his knee and like calls Paul his Duke. Like that's the most emotional scene in the movie for me personally, because I genuinely felt him feeling that. Right. And, and being so relieved to have found them. And then his relationship with Paul was really well built up in just a couple scenes they had. And like that, that's why it worked the most for me. And then Duke Leto, 
was my second favorite character in the movie because he was very charming and he didn't necessarily show emotion, but he had a um very he's almost Captain America like. He's it's just the swagger. It's, he has this swagger and he's just so good right. that you, that it's like, oh man, I love him. Right. He's such a he, good dude. He portrays the character he's supposed to. Leto Atreides is this guy that is so good, so well liked, so charismatic, so righteous that all of the other houses are more ready to follow him than the emperor. Yeah. He's too good for his own good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that was great. And I just love like the tragedy of Duke Leto and the story of his, um, by the way, I think Jason Momoa is an under, I don't I know you weren't calling him a bad actor. No, but I don't I think, think he's, he's a bad underrated actor. actor. I do think I he's think, an underrated actor. I think that, and I think he'll get better as he continues acting just like, better. just like Dwayne Johnson has. Yeah. I don't necessarily think he'll get better. I think people would just recognize that he's always been this good because his first big thing was Cal Drogo. Right. And no, he's a, he's a big a, thing with Stargate. Yeah, that's true. His first big thing oh. was Stargate Atlantis. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, most people, I, I think it's fair to say most people know him, uh, or first heard of him as Cal Drogo. Most um, people your age for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Aquaman, of course, but, um, as Cal Drogo and he is excellent in, in that role. And yes, he is just a big tough guy, just like Aquaman. Everything is, but like, he's, he's very different from Aquaman. Cal Drogo is not a charming guy, Yeah, but yeah. he is freaking perfection as Cal Drogo in that show. Uh, he's, he's one of the best parts of the first season. And so yeah. I, I think he's a great actor and I think he was great in this movie. I do think you're right. He is still like probably uh, aside from Dave Bautista, the weakest actor, but I think that's, that I don't think that's an, I don't, I, I don't think that's an insult. I think that yeah. is, if you, if you're calling somebody like second best compared to Josh Brolin, that's not an insult. <laughs> right. The fact got... that you can even like stand by yourself in a movie that has Josh Brolin and Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson right in it. No, the cast is absolutely incredible and they all did an excellent job. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce Stilgar's actor's name. Um, but, oh, that's uh, Javier Bardem, isn't it? Yeah, ha I think so. Yeah. But he's freaking incredible. He is. Mm -hmm. He's one of the best actors. That's, I mean, old, no country for old men. It, he's excellent. He's an, he's an incredible actor. And I think that he was probably, and, and I don't even think he was the best casted role in the movie. And he, I still think that he was perfectly casted. Like that's how good I think the casting was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Duncan Idaho just really stood out to me in this movie. I think yeah. I, fe I feel like he almost had more to do than he did in the book. Not okay. I, I think he did the same yeah. things, but just the, the way that it was sort of, I think he's one of the few characters that actually did do as much as they That's did what I'm in trying the book. To say. They didn't cut stuff that he did in the book. Right. Mm -hmm. Except like, I think in the book, there's a whole thing about how he actually like joins up with the Freeman as like a Fremen and like he leaves with Stilgar again or whatever. But like, that's fine that you cut that like whatever. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, like they didn't cut anything he that he more did. dialogue than he does in the book. Maybe. He has a couple of scenes that he doesn't really have in the book. 
exactly. Like I just feel like he was a I feel like he was a stronger presence in this than he was in the book. Which is good because there will be reverberations from Duncan Idaho's story that will carry on in the story for a long time. Um, so even after he's dead, he becomes an increasingly important character. Really? Well, yes. that's really nice to know. Cause I think he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's uh, a few reasons for that, but I won't, I won't spoil them here. Yes. No. Interesting. Well, Anyway, um, we could go on and on and on about Doom, but I think I've made all the points I needed to make. And unless you guys have anything else to say, I can just tell the audience that you guys they, y'all, they can check out y'all's big conversation about it over yeah. on our YouTube channel, The Science Fictionary. For sure. Yeah. And I'm sure there's something that I'm forgetting to talk about that I'll bring up somehow next week. Perfect. That I'll bring up and be, I'll force it into the conversation. <laughs> uh, Naturally. Oh, I'll find a I'll find a way to make it natural. I have a real talent for that. I've discovered. Perfect. Like when there's something going on, and I'm like, I really want to talk about this, but there's no way to really fit it in. I find a way. <laughs> if I, whenever power. I if I come into a show and I'm like, I I, I think I want to host this week. It's because of that. Because <laughs> I'm like, I gotta find a way to bring this up. That's great. Like I remember this one time. I really, really wanted to talk about how crappy DC Comics was being and about like how they needed to reboot their universe. And uh-huh. my dad was like, oh, not, as, not, not this week. And I was like, okay, okay. And then in the middle of the show, we mentioned DC one time, and I was like, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, uh, I'm sure you hear more about Dune from us at some point. For sure. Oh, yeah. But, I'm uh, sure yeah. we'll it for a while. Yeah, and then in I don't know when's the when's the next one coming out. Do we know yet? We don't know. They just greenlit it, so you're probably, probably looking at years. 2023, maybe 2024. Yeah, that's fine. Good because I mean, really, Paul kind of disappears into the desert for a couple of years in the books. Yeah, so I mean, it works. And to tide us over, we do have Dune: The Sisterhood. Jessica hasn't had her baby. That's important. Oh, right. Jessica has her baby before the time skip, right? Yeah, so I guess we're going right. to have to do right. that. Okay, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, because then it's like a big, like, what, five-year, four-year time skip? Mm-hmm. Now, for that matter, they could just do stuff with her. You know, I'm sure, and then they can figure out a way to make it work, you know? Yeah. But... It'll be interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. How are you going to get a four-year-old? Because the idea is the four-year-old talks that she's freaking 25 or whatever. So, like, how are you going to get a four-year-old who looks like that, but then also is able to talk intelligently <laughs> in the way that... You just teach them to parrot the lines. You what? I mean, you just teach them to parrot the lines. I mean, oh. you, can teach, you can teach a four-year-old an entire catechism, and they can... They can say back all the big words. They may not know what any of them mean. Or you might just get like, I don't know, more like a seven-year-old and just call it a four-year-old. They do that all the time, too. They'll probably de-age Betty White. (laughs) (laughs) That's the weirdest weirdest Uh, pitch yet. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
I can't, I think I think that was a joke about how good the de aging technology is getting getting. Maybe. This is de age uh, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> oh wow, it's getting yeah. weird. They've weird. done it. Yeah, yeah. But as as a four year old child of a Norwegian actress, that would be interesting. <laughs> it's it's the role of a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before before things get any crazier here on the Science Fictionary, uh, I'm going to wrap us up for the night. Andrew, where can people find? Actually, I'll let you go last because you have all those all those stuff to say. Uh, Marisha, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans and IMP Padawans on Twitter. And Andrew. All right, you can find me hosting the Twitter account for this page or for this podcast at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at the Science Fictionary at gmail.com. You can check out our website, the Science And our other podcast is back, Corsot Radio Underground. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, be sure to check out our podcast as well as the rest of the Red Five podcast family at redfivenetwork.com and at Red Five Network on Twitter. And I am David underscore JG Peoples on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review, whatever you can do on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Thanks for listening. And remember, the spice must flow.